0: You're listening to LeBeau's Lessons, a leadership podcast for new and aspiring leaders. LeBeau's Lessons is a virtual platform which seeks to provide leadership training and education for new and aspiring leaders. We do this by providing a consistent, free leadership podcast, weekly mentoring meetings with our staff, and online courses. Every Tuesday, we meet at 12 noon CST to promote self-awareness by providing stories and leadership coaching on this show to raise the emotional intelligence of our listeners. You can support us by following, liking, subscribing, and sharing. And now, on to the show. All right, welcome to the LeBose Lessons Show. Today, I'm going to continue my series on self-image and the problem of self-image. So last week, if you were watching, we talked about types of people who have a bad self-image without knowing so, and all of the dangers as to living in that denial of having a bad self image and what it does to you, the people around you, how it hurts your opportunities and all of those different things. And so today I'm going to continue along that thread. Uh, And I think this may be a three-parter because every time I think about it, I wanna add more and more and more. And um, this is also a book that I'm going to be releasing for you guys. So I'm going to have all of this transcribed in order to, to be a book, because I think what is being said is so strong and I I wish that someone would have helped me to figure out my self uh, image issues a long time ago. So we are going to, I'm not gonna say how many points I'm gonna go over, let's just say I'll, I'll go as long as I can go, probably about 45 minutes into it and then uh we'll come back on part three i'm not making any promises but i hope that you chime in and that you are watching uh I have a TikTok live audience right now hey guys and i definitely want to hear from you if you agree disagree if you have anything to add to the conversation definitely make sure that you comment and uh, if you're watching me for the first time uh, I'm Lebo. I used to be a therapist, now businesswoman. You can find this episode and many others similar to this um, and in the topics of leadership, personal development, business, etc. on Lebeau's Lessons on Spotify and Anchor and Apple Podcast. Alright, so today we're continuing and um, if I can get one, I have my kids here today. You can't see them there in the background. If I can have one of my kids go to my Facebook page and see, uh, just be checking back and forth and let me know if there's any questions or comments that come through on that side. Because sometimes I go live on Facebook and because I'm recording, I can't go and check, uh, I can't see your, you guys' comments and stuff until afterwards. So if you're watching from Facebook, hi. All right. So we're talking about the illusion of self-image, all right? Why is it an illusion? Because sometimes we have the tendency to put on a fake sense of self, and sometimes that's detrimental to us, and then sometimes we inflate our sense of self. And that's also an issue too, okay? but. Today, let's further this conversation and go a little bit deeper. All right. To go to number one, I want to start off talking about a time in my life that I felt a big sense of inferiority. I was just telling my kids on the way here, my first attempt to go into college was when I was in high school. I was in the top uh, top. Uh, maybe 2% or something like that. And they put me in a special program, and it was for dual credit, something that was unheard of in in New Orleans in the lower ninth ward because they didn't talk to us about college. And I know that might sound, you know, a little weird to people from other places, but if you're from New Orleans, you know what I'm talking about. They don't have very high expectations or they didn't back in those days for us. Um, And so anyway, I was supposed to go during uh, my 12th year, but I had gotten pregnant with my oldest son and I couldn't go. Ended up getting married, 17 years old and moving to Tampa. Because I wasn't able to walk across the stage, even though I was like one of the smartest kids at my school, I had a big inferiority complex when it came to education. And um, I, anytime I was in a room full of other adults that, you know, they had degrees and well traveled and, and all of these things. I felt like I was the dumbest, uh, least valuable person in the world or in that room and that room was my world and I felt very small. My husband, my then husband, he was in the navy and um, he, he had his diploma and he was pursuing his career but I had just had a baby and in those times I'm just gonna say that a lot of moms, it doesn't even matter if you've accomplished a lot, that is a very vulnerable time. Your self esteem and your self uh, image will take a massive hit anytime you pop, out of the baby, pop a baby out. And um, it has many reasons for that. But I felt inferior. And for any of you who have that part of them that feels inferior, regardless of all the things that you've accomplished yes you too you still have an issue with your image because if if you what does it matter if you have degrees and and a nice house and a nice career if if you look at yourself based on the things that you don't have together you're always going to have an issue with your self-image so you can be a person that has all of those things going for you, but let's say that you're overweight and you don't know how to lose weight and keep it off. That's where your inferiority is. Let's say that you are very fit. You, you maybe you're a model. I meet many models. I, I'm a model, used to be a bikini model. Um, but if you haven't made those other accomplishments or you haven't gone as far as you want to in your career, you'll have inferiority. Models deal with a lot of inferiority, especially in compared to others, in comparison. Wherever it is that you feel inferiority, that's kind of the cavity of your self-image, okay? Everything else can be shiny and looks good on the outside, but you have that one sensitive area, and that is the area that you need to deal with. And how do you identify your your weak area and the place you feel inferior? Look at the place that you hate on people the most. You're exposing yourself in that regard. You're exposing yourself. You know, as I talk about inferiority complexes and and self-image and people having a lack of confidence in the things that people need to, areas that people need to grow. I never cease in having people make obscene comments and they, and they do this all over TikTok and they make these comments because even when I'm when you're trying to lift people up, their inferiority comes out. It has nothing to do with you. And when you speak out of your mouth those negative things and you try to attack people or put people down all you're doing is exposing where you are weak and where you feel insecure I saw um, on Instagram there was this this girl in her group and they were showing their their glow up and how they they all look better now they all had a lot going for themselves they you know Rather than, they were like comparing themselves to the way they used to be and how they've changed. And somebody was in the comments talking about, oh, you haven't glowed up just because you've taken on European standards of beauty. Just because you have on a wig and makeup, it doesn't mean you've grown up, glowed up. And I went on to comment about how, no, they're showing that they're doing financially better, mentally, they're doing better, they're more self-assured but you chose to focus on your weakness oh no blah 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 no because even though this person on on the outside looks successful their inferiority is in their looks they don't feel pretty enough so what do they they do they attack women who attempt to make efforts at looking good in their own way and instead of addressing their pain, they attack others and try to cause pain. So when you do that, when you do that, thank you, uh, Abraham. Um, When you do that, all you're doing is exposing where you need the most healing, okay? And I don't know you, you know yourself. What is the area that you keep attacking people? because that shows your weakness. The second thing is that comparison. I was talking to um, someone recently, it was, it's a young man, and he was just talking about how when he tries to do things in life that he really loves to do, it seems like there's some kind of holdup he has a young family to take care of. So he's kind of like in limbo, like, what should I do? Should I pursue this? This is my dream, but I have kids to feed. Should I just give up on my dream? Or should I you know, uh, continue to try to do this and make it big? And so I, I told him a lot of different things, but it made me remember a time when I felt the exact same way. There was a time in my early 20s I was hanging around a lot of successful people. A lot of successful people. And these people were millionaires. These people, they were two and three times my age. And hanging around them, you know, when you hang around people who ride around in limousines and and ride jets every other day, if you comparing yourself to them, you definitely will have an inferiority complex. When I was in that circle, there was a pastor that I knew, well, I had just barely knew, and he had did a a really great, a really, really great message. When we were on the sidelines talking, I, I exposed to him that I felt the same way as this young man was telling me. And I was telling him about how I had little kids at home But I feel like I'm called to more and that I have more of a purpose. And and, um, I just felt like I was not in my purpose because all I was doing was just raising my kids. And he told me, you are taking care of your kids, right? And I said, yes. He said, how could you not be in your purpose? How can you not be doing your purpose? That was your first assignment as a mom was to be a mom first, right? He wasn't telling me that I didn't have any other purpose outside of being a mother. He was saying, I was doing my assignment at that time. So why was I feeling like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do? That what I was doing is what I was supposed to be doing right now I'm a mom now I still take care of my kids but I do other things but my first responsibility is to what to take care of my children so as long as you are doing what you're obligated to do as a parent you are in your assignment you're assigned right now to your child that is your assignment And it doesn't mean that's it. We have many different assignments. And as those children grow, and this is what I told that young man, time is gonna go so fast. And there will be a season where you can give your dream more attention. I said, right now, all you have to do is master time management, time management, okay? Time management. This is the the real issue. He wasn't in a crisis. The real issue was he didn't know how to make time to uh, go to his job and then do his other thing. And so um, that's when I told him, that's when I told him this. I said, all you have to do is think about the people who go to school and go to work. Those people go to school and they go to work so that means they're, they're, work, they're paying the, their bills, but at the same time, they're working towards their future. That's all you need to do. So figure out how to manage it. This is also how people get out of their nine-to-fives. They're, they're working their nine-to-five, and then they work on their business on the side until their business can take the place of that nine-to-five. And that's all he needed to do but his first obligation is to his children. I would never tell anybody that they need to go pursue their dreams and don't worry about taking care of their kids. That that's that's not aligned with with God, that's not aligned with society, that shouldn't be aligned with your conscience. Your first obligation is always to your children. Okay? So The issue really is with this young man and me at the time was that we were too busy looking around. If you're looking around and all you see is millionaires and you're struggling paycheck to paycheck, of course, you're gonna feel inferior. Of course, you're gonna feel like, you know, why am I not like this? This is the issue. You're looking around and it's demotivating you, you know? Sometimes people use that and they, they motivate you they motivate you, right? But some people can feel demotivated by that. In fact, it can make them want to give up on life because they're comparing themselves. And what this young man, I believe, was happening is that he's actually just looking at a lot of people who are are a few chapters ahead and they've they've, uh, made it above that, that hurdle and he's, he's looking at them and he just wants to be just like them but no everybody has a season. Thank you for that. Thank you Mr. One 1KC One for listening and uh Machia Khamfor. i sorry if I said that wrong. Thank you for that. Yes. Some he said see that as an opportunity or a goal, a personal challenge. And that's the way that I took it. Once that, um, that minister had told me that, it made me realize that I shouldn't be comparing myself to 55 year old millionaires, but I could use that as a personal challenge to show me what is possible without getting discouraged or down about my own life. Sometimes when we are comparing ourselves like I was during that time, we want to be a carbon copy of that person. And that's what I wanted to be. I I saw these people they were extremely successful. I wanted to be that, you know? But you have to remember that there's no one else in the world like you, and you are not supposed to be a copy of anybody else. You may wanna copy their lifestyle, but you don't really know what their lives are like. You don't wanna model yourself after other people. You're supposed, the standard is Jesus, that's the standard, okay? Jesus is the standard, the only standard. If you wanna model yourself, model yourself after him, but not after other people, because you will find out it's not all it seems to be. Number three, I had a realization last night about why I struggled in school with math. The reason why I was at the top percent of my school when I was in high school is because I was just a brilliantly, I was, I was kind of, I was gifted in writing. And so that kind of boosted me to the top. And I was, I was good at other subjects too, but that's pretty much why. Um, but I still had a really bad issue with math. Okay, um, and that's because, and the reason why I had an inferiority complex there is because that there was a standard there, there was a norm, a norm. Okay, and even though I did exceptional in other areas, the only thing I could think of was where I was doing badly, and you have to be careful, parents, when you're dealing with your child, when you ignore where they do well and only hark on and focus on what they're struggling with because you will train them to be that way and they'll only be able to focus on what they're not good at and what they don't have and skip over the things that they're good at and devalue that okay this is what you have to do remember that even if there is a norm or a standard in some type of line of work or in some type of industry don't compare yourself to that that will trip you up and mess you up i'm, I'm going to tell you there's there's so much noise and chatter when it comes to business you'll hear people saying well if your business isn't making 250k a year you don't have a business you have a hobby If if your business isn't bringing in this kind of money, then you may by the first year, then you just need to hang it up. When you hang around business minded people, you you know, in that area, in that startup and business community, um, you start to get down on yourself because there's, there's a standard there. But anytime you start to feel inferior, ask yourself, Am I just feeling inferior because I am not at the quote unquote norm of this environment? For instance, remember I said I I was hanging around millionaires. If you're hanging around very successful people and financially well-off people and you're struggling paycheck to paycheck, you're gonna think you're the, uh, the failure simply because you're not in their season because the norm for them is making an abundance of money. And that causes people to unfairly judge themselves. Everybody has a season, and every single one of those people, now that I look back on it, had their season of struggle, had their season of uncertainty and and financial loss. And I was just in my season of that. I didn't need to see myself as less than because I had a period where I was in the valley, right? And you shouldn't do that either. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Number four. Um, You know, one thing that I see a lot, especially in the black community, thank you, faith walk, happy International Women's Day. Thank you so much. And if you're a woman, thank you. And same to you. Um, What I see in the black community is a lot of people who wanna get ahead so that they can shine in front of people, especially people who didn't believe in them. And I understand that because I used to use that as a motivator in the past. Um, The problem with, with that is that if that's the reason, hello, Chicago. If that's the reason why you are doing it, that is not enough. That's not a strong enough why. You may not even make it. And if you do, when you get there, it will not feel the way you thought it would because that's an empty goal. It's a shallow goal and shallow goals don't last and they don't feel good. Once you finally get in front of those people and you're able to floss and and shine for the gram and all of that, and some other words that I don't want to use and you're doing it and that's what you was doing it for it will not feel good okay and when I think about these rappers and things like that's what they're doing they're they're trying to make a lot of people think that the epitome of success is just to shine on all of those people um that you grew up with and all that Why, if I'm a millionaire or successful, why would I want to use that to put down poor people or to make them feel inferior to me? Why would I want to do that? Why would I, what pleasure do you get in front of, uh, to shine in front of people who have less than you? Okay, and I'm from New Orleans. I'm from the same place as the big timers, okay? Um, You know, the hot boys and, and all of that bling bling and all of that. When we were growing up and we used to see them all the time around the way. And uh, you know, a lot of those rappers, when they go home, what happens? They get robbed, they get killed, right? Don't do that. Yes, it's it's very much in, uh, insecurity, Jimmy. Um, very much insecurity. The goal should never be wanting other people to feel inferior to you. That is not the goal. That's not even a goal. When I ask people, what are their goals? And they say, I wanna make this amount of money or I wanna make, I wanna get a promotion. That's not a goal. Money is not a real goal. It's just a number, right? Um, No, that's one person I'm not. But, but yeah, that's, that's not a goal. If you think about riches, they're like plastic surgery. When a person has a bad self-image, they feel ugly because they feel ugly on the inside. Even when they have the plastic surgery, they don't feel pretty. They don't feel like much has changed. And even when they have it done, they wanna change something else, right? Wealth is the same thing to a person who has a low self-image. It's never enough. There will never be enough money that can heal the inner hurt, okay? So if you don't like yourself the way that you are and if you haven't accepted your whole self with the good and the bad, the money will not cure that. So you, you have to be careful with that. When you think about a lot of these rappers who present a tough image, what do you think of that? Do you buy into it? I'm I'm asking you guys that are in front of me and check on the comments and on Facebook and let's see what people say. Do you buy into it when people put forth a tough guy image on TV, in the media And they have this persona. Yeah, some people are saying no. Let me tell you about people who have a tough guy image, okay? Jimmy says, a secure individual doesn't need to communicate that they have arrived, made it, or succeeded. That's right. Cavill Groove 32 says, money comforts and conceals. Adversity uh, adversities. so a certain extent, to a certain extent, unfortunately. That's right, only to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And someone, Mike Knight nice says, no, because they're not hard. They are hurt internally. Absolutely right. And that's what I wanted to get to. A person who puts forth a tough guy image is a person who has been let down. A person who has been let down, they've gotten their hands slapped over and over and over and over again. You know how um, people give up because they've, they've tried doing something and they finally give up on their dream or they give up on something? In the same way, when people give up on people, they create a tough exterior. The, the tough exterior is to cover up the fact that they are really soft. It's to cover up the fact that I have a soft heart, so I have to protect it by being tough. I have to seem like I'm tough to scare people away from my soft inside. And that's all they're saying. So when I'm, when I'm saying this is so that when you go on the job and you meet some of those people that are giving you a tough exterior because you're new and they don't know you those are usually and sometimes the people who are actually the nicest once you get to know them and the reason why they're given that tough exterior is because they don't want you to be another person that let them down so it's kind of like uh, guilty until proven innocent they don't trust you automatically because they don't know you. And part of that is because of a stranger danger mindset. Stranger danger mindset. Think of it this way. When you're an adult, we, you're told, go out, network, meet new people, right? Expand your network. It will help you, right? Okay. When we're children, we're taught stranger danger, stranger bad person right okay because you don't know them some people have not given up that mindset when they meet new people stranger means automatically I can't trust you I need to watch you I need to put up a shield I need to stay on my guard because I need to make sure that you won't hurt me now uh, one saying that I always say is the naive trust and the wise test. I believe that you should have a part of yourself that does have the wisdom to not expose yourself completely and be completely vulnerable with strangers. Obviously there's wisdom in that. But you don't have to put on a tough guy exterior. You don't have to put on that tough guy exterior to try to prove, oh, if you mess with me, then guess what? Mm-hmm-hmm. You know, you you don't have to put that tough exterior on to make people afraid of hurting you. You just have to become better at discerning people. You have to get better at allowing people to show you who they are, without assuming that they're bad or good. And that's the issue. The issue is really that. Too many times you assume someone was good when they were bad for you in that season. And so you just just, uh, uh, decided to distrust everyone because you don't trust yourself. And that tough exterior is I don't trust myself to make the right decision about you. So I'm going to be tough and protect myself to make you fear wanting to do me wrong because you know what will happen to you. Yes. Um, who's it? DL, DLOT 0802 said people don't have to show their wealth um, are the most rich people in the world, mentally and physically. Absolutely right. People who really have a, a strong self-image, they don't have the need to prove anything to anybody. And Jimmy says, fear of experience the, experiencing the same negative subjection to being hurt. That's right. So that's what that tough exterior is about. You know, it's very important that we teach our children about how to navigate certain people and certain reactions to people. I, you know, I love the idea of, of children or young adults studying um, human behavior and, and, you know, just like the foundational principles of, of uh, psychoanalysis so that they can learn how to navigate social circles, especially in the corporate world. Yes, everything depends on the person, everything. But see, this should go without saying, but there's always an exception to every rule, but the rule is a rule for a reason. Okay. All right, number six. Now, believe it or not, I thought I was—I uh, thought I was ugly for most of my life, and it started very early on. It was—it mi- was a mix of some of the things that my mom would say, social anxiety, and also um, this little girl in in the pre-K or kindergarten. In kindergarten, there was a little girl that used to tell me I was ugly every day. Every day, I would walk up to her and stand behind her in the line, and she'd say, you're ugly. And I'd say, I know. You're ugly. I know. You're ugly. I know. I don't know. And when I look back, at it, like I, I hated this little girl for so many years. And she was like a little fake little friend of me thing because I remember on the day that we graduated, my grandmother wanted me to take a picture with her because she didn't know the backstory. And to this day, there is a picture of me and this little girl in our white graduation gowns smiling like this together, look like we're the best friends. And she was the girl that put it in my head that I was ugly. That is something I agreed to do you get what I mean? It's about what you agree to. Thank you, DeLon. Um, I agreed to what something that that was told to me. And I was, I was great in so many things, dancing, singing, painting, writing, anything in the arts I was good at. I could play instruments. I could do lots of different things, but I was always inferior with my looks because of this little girl. Now, I didn't have much of anything to to feel inferior about. You know, I'm not going to, um, I was always told by everybody else that I was a pretty little girl and everybody would always comment on how cute I was. I even won a beauty pageant when I was a kid. But because this little girl told me this every day and I agreed to it, I believed it. Your self-image is really not depicted on, is dependent upon what you actually look like. It's dependent upon how you feel. It's not what's real, it's not how you really look, it's about how you feel you look. So whenever I looked in the mirror, I didn't see how I really looked, all I saw was for some reason I'm ugly and I don't know why. Is it my hair, is it my nose, is it my skin color? What is it, you know? And I'm I'm saying this to you also, especially because do you know that in every era, and I'm only, you know, in my 30s, but some of you who are in your 30s, you already know, every trend comes along and there's something new that the girls want, right? Because they feel ugly. In the 90s, the 80s and 90s, it was boob jobs. Not everybody wants butt jobs. You know, back in the 20s, there were women who were getting their breasts surgically removed because it was out of style to have breasts. Believe it or not, in the 20s, uh, the flapper time, a lot of women were skinny. And they wore those dresses that were long. They were They were not form-fitting. They were long and baggy because it was in style to have a boy shape and be flat chested. That's why they all look like that. If you notice, they wore those big clothes so that they could appear to be flat chested. And the early plastic surgeons would surgically remove women's breasts because they didn't want to have breasts. This is how ridiculous this is, okay? We react to what we believe and think and feel, but never the truth. We're not reacting to the truth. We're not putting our clothes on and the way that we looked and everything and and fixing our hair and everything based on the truth. We're doing it based on how we feel about ourselves, okay? What we imagine the truth to be about ourselves. When when a woman puts a girdle on, she feels like the truth is, regardless of everything, how beautiful she is, if she has a tummy, she's ugly. She's undesirable. So she sucks that thing on and and straps that thing on and zips it up and ties it back because she's reacting to how she feels. A fact. We think that we're living by facts. A fact is a fact. An opinion is an opinion. If you're overweight, that may be a fact. The opinion is that you don't look good. The opinion is that you're ugly. The opinion is that nobody will want you. That's not a fact. That's something that people believe. People feel ugly and they have a bad self image because of their emotional scars. Not because a scar here or a scar there that people can see but the scars that people cannot see okay and so when a when a person has emotional scars and they feel that they're ugly they can never be their true selves they can never really truly live you know what I mean they're not really living they're not living their best lives okay This is the reason why we need to deal with our emotional scars, because all the things we do on the outside will not fix that. Just move the microphone back, the whole thing. Perfect. All right, number seven. Now, I told you that I had an issue with math when I was growing up, and I had a realization. Um, now, I, it's true that I do have a little bit of ADHD, but when I was in school, I remember being very, very anxious. Now, during that time, of course, I didn't know what anxiety was, um, but now that I look back on it, I realize. I was distracted a lot in class because I was thinking about other things. I was worried. I was worried about what was going on at home. Worried about the bully that would be in the next class after this one. Worried about what this person said when I walked in the door or how I, you know, what my shoes looked like that day or my shirt or my hair looked like that day. I was just burdened down with anxiety. And that caused me to be distracted in class. Now, something happened in my life that that really uh, messed me up mentally when I was about in the first grade. I think it was the first or second grade. This was a year that my mom had moved next door to someone that abused me. And every day she would leave me with this person I had told my mom about it, but there was nothing that she did to fix it. Um, I think at the time my mom ignored it because she didn't have any babysitter. She had four or five kids at the time, about five kids, and she had no babysitter, and this person was just watching her kids for free. So she really didn't feel like she could. She just told me just, you know, you know, just be quiet, right? But this person was physically abusing me and emotionally abusing me. So I will come to school with this on my mind. And um, that year I also started to have a bully on the same street. Me and a good friend of mine, who was my only good friend, there was a bully on that street and they were a few years older than us. And um, they lived on our street, went to our school. So they bullied us all through class. They bullied us on recess. They wouldn't let us walk home. They wouldn't let us come outside. So I had a bully at home, two bullies at two bullies at school. And then I met my third bully, and that was the teacher. One, uh, one day our substitute, our main teacher was gone. Our, we had a substitute teacher came in. It was a, um, a black lady and That year, I was so distracted with everything going on in my life, I started to suffer in math. And um, one page she gave us, I was really struggling with. And uh, I don't know how it was in your school, but back when I was growing up, you couldn't ask the teachers for questions because they would humiliate you if you ask questions. And... um, just to give you don't believe me here's an example and i went through this multiple times throughout school in math i went up to the teacher and i was shaking because all of my little you know classmates was around her they loved her and i went up to her and i said i really didn't get it but i really tried and i handled i handed her the paper and she picked up the paper and she looked at it and a frown grew on her face. And she said, are you retarded? And in that moment, the entire class just erupted in laughter at me. And I just went back to my desk and my good friend that was sitting next to me, he just put his hand like on my desk and looked at me. And he, he felt so bad, and I just put my head down and cried. That thought, being called retarded at that age, it mentally made me feel like no matter what I did, I would still be bad at math. So I accepted that diagnosis from an adult that everybody liked and said, when it comes to math, I'm retarded. And what that means is no matter what I do, no matter how good I am, I am just bad at math always. And I took that with me. So I didn't expect myself to do well. And from that point on, I struggled with math. Some of us have been hypnotized by a falsehood that someone planted in our heads a long time ago about ourselves. And until we reset that, okay, we will always live up to that belief. You will always live up to that belief. Thank you, Mr. 1KC, for hanging in there. I lived up to the belief of being bad or retarded at math. When I had my final year in school, I had to teach myself algebra too and I passed with a B plus. I taught myself, no teachers, okay? When that happened, I realized that I could learn anything. And I learned to be passionate about learning. And um, let's just say I went very, very far. And to this day, right now, I can walk into any of these schools in my area and go teach your kids something because I'm a government contractor and as far as the school districts in many and all over this country are concerned I can teach your kids but that's my testimony because I was called retarded in the second grade or first grade right I past my final year with a B plus, and at that moment, I decided to disagree with that statement. No, I'm not retarded. No, I don't have a problem with math. Okay. And I never had a problem with it after that. So it's not about what is the truth. It's about what you agree to. Stop agreeing to these falsehoods that people teach you about yourself. Okay. All right. I don't know where we are on time. Okay. Um. Let me see if I'll do one more. I'll say I'll do one more. I'm, I'm going to leave some for next time. Now, I I love telling stories of encouragement, especially when it comes to doing things that people think are impossible. There was a time when I was, um, you know, after I had I had my third kid, a few years out of the box, still couldn't shake the weight. I had lost my aunt to obesity, and she was a close aunt, and it shook me, and it made me realize I can't go down the same path, and I can't let my family go down the same path. And uh, so I started to get serious about getting my health together, and at that moment, I found out that I was like technically obese because I had hit that threshold. I stopped being overweight, and I got into the obese category. And that that kind of scared me. And at that point, I was going through some weird symptoms that I could not figure out. I would have headaches every day. I would crash, so to speak, and, and just fall out and go to sleep and not, not wake up for like hours and then without knowing why. And lots of different things. I felt like I might have diabetes. And A year or two later, I found out that that was the truth, and I had type 2 diabetes in my 20s, in my mid-20s, or late 20s. Well, by the time I, I had actually found out, I had tried so many different things, I thought that there was no way. My doctor had told me I would be one of her success stories, and I laughed. I laughed. And I actually went on the diet that she gave me just to spite her and show her that it wouldn't work and that my body was special and that it didn't respond to anything. And what happened is I actually lost weight and it motivated me. And because I'm the type of person that likes to go from, you know, I like to glow up, I like to go, you know what I mean? Um, To the next level, what happened was I gave myself a new goal. I wanted to get down to the weight I was before I had my first son, my first child. And that was 135. And then when I got there, and when I saw I was getting there, I was like, well, I wanna be a personal trainer, right? Because I thought, first of all, I had been reading all these things over the years and, and, and doing all this, I thought, well, I may as well go go for it, right? Because I had been telling people for years, well, I don't have the money for a personal trainer and blah, blah, blah. If I was rich and I had the money for a personal trainer, I'd get a personal trainer and I would do better. I thought, what? Well, not it great that, you know, if I could, wouldn't it be great if I could become a personal trainer, then I wouldn't need one. So I was at, in the persuasion at the time that, If you have an undone area in your life that's really in need, like you really let yourself go in that area. And I'm not not talking about physical, not just physical, but at that time it was my physical. But sometimes it's financially, spiritually, emotionally. And you know you're a wreck in that area. You need to dedicate the time to get your, your act together and let that be the focus of your life for a season. And that's what I did. And so I went and I became a personal trainer. I I became a certified trainer and a certified sports nutritionist. And I gave myself, well, if I can do this, then I can be a bodybuilder because that's how I am. And I put a picture on the wall of a girl I wanted to look like. And I'm going to tell you, at the time, my husband laughed at me. I put it right by my door. So I can see it every day when I go out. But see, when I disagreed to that math statement, that teacher calling me retarded, and I realized that I could learn math, the thing I said I was bad at my whole life, I could learn anything and I could do anything. So why not? Why can't I be a bodybuilder? And so I became a bodybuilder. I went from being obese to being a bodybuilder and you've seen other people do it before but not only that i reverse my diabetes i reverse my pcos for those of you who don't know polycystic ovarian syndrome i reverse all of that in added years to my life okay okay even if you're capable or, or incapable of doing something your belief. Is what enables you or disables you to do it. Okay. So get rid of the list of the reasons why you can't do it and you can't beat it and you'll never be this or that. And ask yourself why you believe that you can't. Why do you believe that you can't? Okay. Think about it. I I you know was obese. And what I look like in my 30s, becoming a bikini model, an actress, and all of those things that, you know, people do when they've been doing for years. I was like, oh, I can model. Maybe I can act, too. Started acting up a storm and became well-known in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for acting. And that just blew up. And uh, one of my movies is out right now, and I'm not gonna tell you which one it is and I'm not gonna tell you where to find it because i I'm just telling you that this is the second one. there's a third one coming out. Um, that one's supposed to go to HBO Max too. but I'm not gonna tell you because I don't like seeing myself on camera because I just pick myself apart <laughs> and then there's other things that are on YouTube but I, I I just don't like it. But the point is, yes, Jimmy. He says, "Repetition. Your brain is like a muscle." That's right. Challenge yourself. Reinvent yourself. I, I just want you to look at the, the area. Just two things. This is, you know, the homework that I want you to take with you. Just look at the area that you feel inferior, and the area that somebody um, that somebody told you you couldn't do or whatever. And it really bothered you. And I want you to ask yourself, is this something that I want to do? Is this something that I really want to become? And why have I chosen to believe that I can't do it? And I just want you to really examine if it's time to pursue that. And and if it's it's worthy of your time right now, then go for it. Because, you know, it's about what you agree to, ultimately. It's about what you believe about yourself. So if you're coming in late and you want to catch this, this was the illusion of self-image. It'll be on Apple Podcasts later on tonight. You can catch the first part. This is the second part. The first part is already there. Second part to be available tonight and tomorrow. Uh, no, next week I'll be giving the um, the final part. Now the changes that there might be changes in time coming up soon. I don't know. Not that any of you care, but <laughs> uh, I do appreciate you guys who come and meet with me every Tuesday at around eleven or twelve Central Standard Time. And um, I appreciate you guys for watching. And let me know what your thoughts are. Make sure you connect with me on different parts of social media and we can keep the conversation going. Thanks for all you guys hanging out on Facebook and Twitter and also on TikTok. Thank you so much. See you next time.